This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. Who <laughs> jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end wow. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that shows up in every way too early 2023 mock draft. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusDeCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Chris Moxley. No Felix Sharp tonight. And I, of course, am Austin Nace. On a speculative version of tonight's show, a big project announcement uh, from the folks here at C2C, Felix's Brees Hall Love Fest. And the gang gives some betting lines on some season-long props. But first, 2023 mocks in full swing, as I mentioned earlier. Most assume that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are virtual locks for the first round. They show up in every single one of these. But there are a host of other names that have entered the conversation for round one consideration. Chris, you recently put out a a guess as to the, the 32 names that may appear in the first round next year. So I want to toss this to you first. Options for quarterback three, quarterback four, and how many quarterbacks you think have a chance to really go day one next year? So I put together a mock on the site, um, and I had four. I've seen up to seven in other mocks, and I think that we're going to – I think the line's going to end up at like four and a half. So the two that I have outside of the obvious ones, Anthony Richardson, uh, crazy athletic – quarterback from florida 6'4 225 great athlete needs to improve on his work in the passing game but the tools are there rocket arm he he has the ability put it together consistently the other one is another quarterback of the state of florida tyler van dyke i think van dyke is a 
a project player still. There are a lot of holes in his game that I don't think people are quite ready to acknowledge based on how great his um, second half of last season was. You know, he's really prolific, but a lot of that came in garbage time. A lot of that came um, playing hero ball. So is that someone that we're ready to anoint as a top 10 quarterback? I mocked him there because I think that he has the skill to do it. I don't know if he's going to get there. So that's my way too early thoughts. Yeah, I think 3.5 or 4 is like the perfect over-under for people who watch college football because a lot of people who are putting out these Will Levis at 1 overall, they've got no offense to Spencer Rattler because I do think he's going to have a good season. I've seen mocks with him up in the top 10. I saw one today that said Jake Hayner and Grayson McCall are two two quarterbacks you need to watch out for because they're going to increase their draft capital. Like Neither one of those guys is going in the first round. I'm sorry. They're, they're just not. I think Stroud and Young are the only two locked in. Richardson, I'm intrigued by because he does get a lot of the comps to Cam Newton. Um, I think he struggles very much like Cam did in passing the ball. He's an athletic freak, though, like Chris mentioned. If he goes out there and has a really good season for Florida and the SEC, I could see him getting that high-end draft capital because we know that these coaches look at these players sometimes and just say, hey, like I know I can turn that guy into what I need him to be, and so they'll take a shot on him. But I honestly think after what we saw this year, we've kind of seen in a way these quarterbacks fading a little bit, even a Justin Fields, because you cannot tell me that it was all about the sleep, at whatever it was. I can't even remember what it was that he had now. I was going to say sleep apnea. It wasn't sleep apnea. It was um, – Whatever they said his issue was, it, it does not doesn't matter. Dude said it's like hasn't bothered him since middle school, but he fell. I really think we're going to see these quarterbacks more often than not fall because I, I said it on Twitter and I, with how cheap those guys are if they go in the second round now on those contracts, we've seen a lot lately that these teams do not want to pay. Baltimore struggling to figure out if they're going to pay Lamar Jackson. Arizona is on the fence about whether they're going to pay Kyler Murray. I think we could all three of us agree that those are top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now, but these teams do not want to pay these quarterbacks that high end money because it in essence screws over the team, whether you believe in the salary cap or not that much money going to one player does hurt the way you can build these teams. So now you have these guys on four-year contracts and you can re-up them sooner and I think cheaper because of that. So unless these guys have elite traits, which I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud do for sure, I would not be surprised if we don't see quarterbacks starting to fall later and later now with these NFL teams kind of reimagining. We're not, they're just not reaching on quarterbacks anymore. They're just not doing it. I think that that's going to continue, be a continuing trend till maybe the 2024 class because there's, I think, at least four guys that could really push that. Tyler Van Dyke, for me, I, I get it. I don't see it because I don't think that he goes out there and has a good season. Like I, I know a lot of people were blaming the spring game on the wide receivers, and there were definitely a lot of drop passes, but I do not think Tyler Van Dyke was that impressive throwing the ball as well. Like There was a lot of passes he just flat-out missed. And I granted it was a spring game, so take that for what it's worth. But as you mentioned, Mox, a lot of that came in garbage time. I need to see him do it against top-tier competition this year before I'm willing to put him in the first round. So really, it's just Anthony Richardson that I'd be willing to put up there. So for me, it would be those three. If anyone else goes up there, I think it's because they just go out and have an amazing season this year. But I, I don't see that happening from anybody else on this list. Two names jump out to me here. Um one that that has appeared on a lot of these lists is Tanner McKee, the quarterback at Stanford, a guy that 
I have not really sat down and watched in depth, but I watched enough Stanford last year to know that that guy is not it. Um, bigger, 6'6", 225-ish. Um, he, he had a mission, uh, 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 so a Mormon mission. So he's a little bit of an older prospect. Uh, passed, 65%, completed 65% of his passes under 2,500 yards last year. Like Stanford's offense is what it is. I'm not sure we can we can gain too much looking at just his raw statistics. And then one name that that hasn't shown up on any of that, I think there's obviously already a disconnect between the Debbie community, the fantasy community, and the NFL, is Cameron Ward at Washington State. Now, I've read eight or nine of these mock drafts at this point. I don't think any of them have had Cameron Ward. So just going to be something interesting to watch, a guy that's going very early in Debbie drafts, very early in Campus to Canton drafts, uh, first and second round of freshman supplemental drafts from what I've seen this year. Not on any of these, even on some of the guys that are that are connected to the NFL. So, do you want to know why? Food for thought. Sure. Because none of those guys watch college football. That's why. I guarantee you, most of those guys who put out those mocks that we're talking about have no idea who Cameron Ward is right now because they have no idea he transferred to Washington State, and they're not going to know about him until like week six after he's had like five or six good games. I'm like, oh. Who's this Cameron Ward kid who's come out of nowhere and is doing this? He's going to be this year's Joe Burrow, or they're going to they're going to attach some shit to it, and you're going to have people who are actually plugged in who have been talking about how he's likely going to go out there and have a very good season for months now. It's it's pretty crazy to me that Cameron Ward doesn't have the same level of hype that a Tanner McKee, Will Levis does. Like I think he's he isn't as physically talented in the running game. But I mean, his arm is there. Like the ball pops out of his arm. He's got he's got like NFL arm talent, and so I'm really surprised that he isn't making these mocks. And I think you're probably right, Matt. Like, how many guys have watched any Cameron Ward like at all? Probably very few who are are actually plugged in. I mean, I think I think there's a better shot that Cameron Ward, <sighs> Hendon Hooker, and Devin Leary go in the first, and those are three quarterbacks not being mocked in the first at all, then a Will Levis type, then a Tanner McKee type, then Spencer Rattler. Like I think that there's three quarterbacks the NFL is going to like, have a lot of starting experience and have traits that they look for. Like I, I just don't understand the disconnect between the NFL community. And I think what we see with some of these quarterbacks. So two things on that. I don't know how quickly Austin wants to move on from this. Is this a hot take to say I think Devin Leary has a better shot of being getting first round draft capital than Tyler Van Dyke? He's ah! definitely going to have a better statistical year. That doesn't necessarily yeah. always translate right. to to draft status. But I, second, I agree with that though. No, okay. I was just going to say I I don't think that's that far fetched. To to give these NFL people maybe the benefit of the doubt here, maybe they do know who Cameron Ward is. Do we think maybe they're scared off because of what we've seen from Trey Lance and Carson Wentz, who are probably the more too high profile FCS guys to come up? They got both get first round draft capital. I mean, Wentz had one good season. Lance now, whether this is true or not, all the rumors right now is right that Lance can't even now beat out Jimmy G to be the starter there. So is I know Ward is not quite the athlete that Lance is, and I think he's a better passer than Carson Wentz. But is maybe that where we think the fear is coming from in the NFL community? They don't want to trust a guy like that because he's also not going to an SEC school. He's transferring to Washington State, and and I mean, we 
don't love quarterbacks coming out of there either. So just to give them, but now I still don't think they know who he is, but maybe just to give them a benefit of a doubt. They, so that's something they can fall back on when they're, when this happens. I thought Chris was going to say something for better I, or worse. I, I thought about I do, it. As we've seen in the past couple of drafts, if you're not sec and you're not big 10, the, the, the NFL is skeptical. I think at best at basically any position. So, so, uh, so what about the system hindering him? Cause like that system is, it's not, I mean, it is air raid, but it's more like a Baylor air raid than it is like a true Mike Leach air raid. That system does not produce quality quarterbacks. It's like, I do think there's maybe some bias in the system. And I don't know if he's ever going to overcome that bias. Like we haven't really seen it play out. We don't have a lot of air raid quarterbacks trapped into the NFL. Like Patrick Mahomes is an, a successful example I was going to say, well, if Patrick like, Mahomes can do it, anybody can do it, yeah. right? I mean, that guy. Right. But uh, yeah. he, who, who, that's a legitimate he? concern. So the one thing I say that may be able to help him, I don't know if he can go, because he's got to graduate, and I don't know if he can graduate after this year or not. I wonder if him, if he does decide to come out, if he goes to the Senior Bowl, if that could help him. Because while I don't think that Malik Willis was in a offense that was a hindrance toward like the air raid thing. But I think we can all agree that like, it wasn't a anywhere near a pro ready offense. So granted he got third round draft capital. So take that for what it's worth. But I think if, if he goes out there and puts up a very good season and then is able to go to the senior bowl, I think if he's able to show the, you know, what, whatever it is, the chalkboard or whiteboard stuff, film talk, then maybe they'll say, okay, it's not just the area. Like this guy understands football and that boosts him up. But I do, I agree. Like that's what I, I wonder if maybe that's part of the reason why he's not getting mocked there is there's a lot of question marks against him, even though as we said, so we like him from the Debbie C2C community. Oh, that's a, whew, that's a little bit of a hot take right there in the comments. Camera oh, word looking here. better than Caleb Williams in the pack 12. Hmm. I mean, I'm probably the lowest on Caleb Williams out of all of us. I don't know that I see that happening. Like, I think Caleb Williams, well, I'm thinking from a fantasy perspective. Passing-wise, I think Cameron Ward's going to look a lot better. Well, we will revisit this probably midseason and then obviously next offseason as well. Felix not here tonight. Really ruined the whole bit I was going to do here. In the intro, Felix angrily exclaims at me about a tweet that I put out about Bijan Robinson, his freshman season, and I had Felix, you tweeted something earlier, explain yourself. And he chickened out because I think he knew this was going to be on here. This was going to come up. Felix earlier today tweeted out the following. He said, top 10 combined NCAA slash NFL running back rankings. And here were the 10 in order. Number one, Jonathan Taylor. Number two, Bijan Robinson. Number three, Christian McCaffrey. Four, Javante Williams. Five, Brees Hall. Six, Najee Harris. Seven, Jameer Gibbs. Eight, J.K. Dobbins. Nine, Travion Henderson. And ten, DeAndre Swift. Matt, I have my opinions about this, but I'm going to toss this to you first, and he's not here to defend himself at all, so don't hold back. What did Felix get wrong on this list? I mean, there's a lot wrong with this. Like, 
for number one, where all of a sudden you you mentioned it on the tweet. Where did all this like unfounded Brees Love Hall, this Brees Hall love come from? Because last year when we did our running back ranking summit, he had him at five in the college backs. Just college he running mocked. backs last year. He ridiculed you. Yeah, because I had him one, and he's like, oh, he's not even better than Jameer Gibbs, who I have as my RB2. And now you have him above Jameer Gibbs. You have him above Najee Harris. So I don't understand that part of it. I would have personally Travion Henderson above J.K. Dobbins, Jameer Gibbs, and Najee Harris, even though I know it's a couple years, probably even ahead of Brees Hall, as much as I love Hall, because of what he can do. Um, not Well, I love Najee. I think he's going to be good for the next couple years. I just think Travion's a little bit better. I honestly wouldn't have J.K. in the top 10. I love J.K. Dobbins. I I know right now he's being ranked as like a top 10 running back for dynasty value. I just, I think that the Ravens are telling you something and the fact that they keep going out and bringing in more running backs. They just signed Mike Davis from, uh, who just got cut recently from Atlanta. We know how much Lamar Jackson runs the ball. Like we're just looking at this from a fantasy perspective. I would not have JK up there. I don't really know. This is this is poor, you know, job on my part. I don't really have a running back to replace him at the moment. I really didn't think about that. I didn't go that far ahead in my my thought process, just that I wouldn't have him up there. Um, but I, I think outside of that, I like it. I, I know some people were mentioning Christian McCaffrey on his his thread. I still think CMC deserves to be up there because when he's healthy, he's the best running back in all of football. I mean, and I love Jonathan Taylor, but what he can do in the receiving and rushing game. So outside of the weirdness of having Brees Hall all the way up at five and not having Travion Henderson up at five, like I I, I actually would have him above Javante too. So actually I would have Travion at four. Um, I think it's um, an interesting list to say the least. I don't agree with, I think anything on here. I'm trying sure. to find something I agree with. Maybe Jonathan sure. Taylor one. I think Jonathan Taylor is pretty good. Um, but I mean, I think the second that Bijan Robinson steps into the league, that he's going to be the best running back in the league. So maybe, maybe he deserves to be above Jonathan Taylor right now. Um, I cannot, I love Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs is great. I cannot justify putting a 200, 200 pound back at seven above DeAndre Swift like that, like they're, they're similar players stylistically and Swift's got like 20 pounds on him. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think so we have not seen the best of Swift yet. Travion, I think should be higher. JK Dobbins being above a guy like Austin Eckler doesn't make a lot of sense. I think Austin Eckler is one of the more dynamic running backs in the league. Alvin Kamara, like Saquon Joe, Barkley, Mix, Saquon Barkley all about. Joe Mixon, we can go on and on with with these guys who have been really productive running backs and are still really good. I don't. This is just a combined list of NCA running backs. Like I, I, I don't know what we're trying to accomplish here. I've seen engagement farming. Not saying this is it. I don't want to. I don't want to make accusations, but this field's been plowed. Felix was out there on the tractor. He's got his pitchfork. You know, he yes, yeah, I, uh, I. I see where you're going at. Um, I know a lot of the argument on Brees Hall, because I, I don't necessarily have him very high either, um, is that it's an aging running back landscape right now. We're kind of waiting for this 2023 class to come in and, and replenish everything. Do you guys think that at least is accurate? You know, that that the the Ecklers and the the Kamaras and the even, you know, like the like the Zeke, the Henry, like that, like they have like two years left max. Does that feel right for a lot of these guys? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'd put Eckler in that group because he's been very open about how he doesn't want 200 plus carries. And I think them drafting Spiller this year speaks to they don't want to give him that. And, and kind of what Moxley was just talking about with a minute, especially with what he can do receiving wise. Like, I wouldn't put Eckler up there because I think he's a guy who can hang on. I mean, Kamara's always been in a committee for the most part and always been extremely productive. So I don't know that I could even say he's only got two years. Henry is a guy that, like, I want to say is going to fall off in the next couple of years, but damn, the dude's not shown like one step of falling back. So it's hard to just say that's going to happen. Dalvin cooks, a guy I think could over the next couple of years, he got, we didn't even bring up, but he's been injury had a lot of injuries lately. He seems to be going back. Antonio Gibson was a guy people drafted high. He's falling back. Um, obviously Z you just mentioned. So yeah, I mean, these guys could, I think, I don't mind having Brees this high because I think a lot of people are knocking him for the Michael Carter thing, which I, I just think Brees Hall is a bigger, better version of Michael Carter. And if he gets the receiving work from Zach Wilson, like, I think he's going to be a top 10 dynasty dynasty running back. And he's young enough. I mean, he's got a lot of carries on him, obviously, but you only want him for four or five years anyways, right? So I think he's still going to be good for the next four or five years. But yeah, I think that, uh, that 22... <sighs> I just, I don't know. I'm not even that sold on the 2023 class anymore. Like, if Gibbs oh, doesn't come in, come on, look, if come on Gibbs doesn't come in over 200, he's likely going to fall. I, like, we were talking about him and Bijan being the guy who could get who could get first-round draft capital, right? If, say, Gibbs weighs in at, like, one 190 or something like that, again, I agree. I do think that, that Gibbs is special. But the only guys he's... to do it, are, are Eckler and, and Alvin Kamara. And that's two guys out of hundreds of running backs that have come in around that size that have not panned out. Well, are we talking ever? Because, like, if you're, like, uh, we had a, a long discussion on Campus Life this week about, like, Devin Chain and, and some of these guys. Like, uh, these guys are the outliers of outliers, but they do happen every now and then. You had Jamal Charles, who was sub-200. CJ2K, I believe, was right around that weight as well. Um, I believe Matt Forte, or uh, not Matt Forte, um, um, LaShawn McCoy was around that weight. So there, there, you know, every five to six years, there is a guy that can come in and do it. Obviously, as, asking anybody to be LaShawn McCoy or Jamal Charles or or CJ2K is an ask, but I don't think it's impossible. And I do think Gibbs is much, much more likely to be 205 than he is 195. He, he's going to land in the uh, Travis Etienne size bucket. And Travis Etienne, I think, weighed in at like he weighed you in. Think like he's going to beef up. He weighed two fifteen, I think. He got he got yeah he boy. yeah he he weighed in pretty heavy and he ran pretty slow um, based on what we expected. But I mean, I think Gibbs comes in. I think it's more probable he weighs like two hundred five, two hundred seven than it is sub two hundred. I'd be really surprised. He's already two hundred now. Give him a year in the Alabama conditioning program. Let him put on some like good weight. He'll get up two hundred five. Two hundred five for him, I think, is good enough. Um, okay, I don't think so, he's going to go first round though. Okay, but even if he goes sense. second round, so like let's just say Bijan goes first or, or early second. Same with Gibbs. Do we see Tucker going there? Because I kind of no. Okay, no, so do we see that. Tank going there? I see in the Zach second Evans round? going there. Okay, so that's three now. We've we've got three. Who else is Kendall Milton doing that? Probably not. Is Blake Corum doing that? Probably not. Is Zach Charbonnet doing that? Probably not. Is Jason McClellan That's doing Colin. that? Probably not. I mean, all of a sudden you're going down this. Well, yeah, I'm not asking Colin. I'm asking you. <laughs> you all of a sudden you go down this list, and all these guys are suddenly not getting the draft capital we were talking about two years ago. Like, 
I understand running back is is being faded a little bit, so even a fourth-round guy may matter. But I just don't see this class being what we were building it up to be two years ago, where all of a sudden it was like Bijan, Jameer, Tank, Zach Evans are all solid. Like, these guys are going to be NFL studs from day one. I do think that's kind of fading a little bit. If Tank goes out there and has a bad year, you're really talking about three guys maybe getting first first and second day draft capital. And at least from all my stats, friends, I'm told that's all that really matters when it comes to running back. So then everybody else is going to be faded. Well, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Chris, do you have a last word on this before we, we move on here? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into the names, but I think there's a good chance that between day one and two that we have four to five running backs drafted next year. Um, and I think it's probably the list you name the probably all those players are on the list that you named. Um, but I still think it's a really good class. I am a little skeptical of like the elite level class, but that's a topic for another show. All right. A few housekeeping items before we move along and, and maybe Felix will show up next week to defend himself a little bit. Uh, we might've scared him off for good though. Who knows? Three things guys. First up the Debbie summit coming up May 22nd. If you haven't heard about it yet, uh, a six hour event taking place, uh, like I said, on, the, on Sunday, the 22nd, uh, hosted by a trio of guys, Brandon Lejeune at Debbie deep dive, uh, with the Debbie dashboard, uh, Matt Hicks from the rookie big board, RBB, uh, and then, uh, our own Felix Sharp. So I guess we'll, we'll show up for that. He won't show up here, but he'll show up for the Debbie summit. Um, there's going to be a ton of great guests, uh, covering everything from, from actual player rankings to, to strategy discussions, to, uh, all sorts of different uh, things. Uh, I think there'll be a mock draft as well. So go ahead, tune into that. Uh, and they are raising money as well during it for uh, Ukrainian refugees. Um, so if you are interested at all in supporting that goal, uh, take a look on Twitter. I believe the links have been tweeted out from, from Brandon Lejeune at Debbie Deep Dive's handle. Uh, and you can take care of all of that as well. Item number two... And we've talked about this a little bit, but it is coming up here. The Debbie guide from the fine folks over at campuscanton.com is coming out June 1st. Uh, we are coming down to the final, final pieces of the puzzle. 260 something player profiles, unless we write more, going to be all sorts of different advanced stats, um, rankings, uh, everything you can imagine. Matt has been slaving away. So go ahead and we'll probably start pre-orders on that next week. So keep an eye out for that. going to be $20 again over at campus And last guys, if you haven't checked out our new partner, sharp sports, Marcus sharp over on YouTube, go ahead and check him out. Does a ton of different uh, work with uh, recruiting uh, 2024, 2025 guys. Um, go ahead, give his videos a view and he might have a little promo code for you for campus to Canton. So, uh, if you're interested in that, then I would definitely check him out. Um, no bad cop tonight. Felix isn't here. He can't tell me what to do. So no bad cop. Um, final segment here, guys. As we teased earlier, over-unders. We were tasked tonight with coming up with three different lines that we have um, for, for players, for teams, etc. Um and we're just gonna we're gonna say them here on air, and we're gonna debate whether it should be over or under. Uh, Matt, do you want to do your yours here first, the first three? Yeah, I can go okay. first. Um, 
So, so how am I doing this? Do I just read it and give my projection, and then I'll let you two decide what you think on it? Or yeah, yeah, let's do it that way. That seems to be since, seems to since be you know Felix good. wanted to do this, and then he just decided not to show up. So I just wasn't really a hundred percent sure on how he wanted to do these things. So uh, my first one here, I mean, Austin and myself have been very in on the Quinn Ewers train this year. The reason I put it on here is because Felix is very against it, so I wanted to get his thoughts on this. Quinn Ewers over under as a top 12 fantasy QB for CFF this year. I am saying, well, fuck, I did worded that poorly because then does over mean 11 through one or does under? I'm going to say under means 11 to one because I think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. So I'm taking the under. Uh, my reasoning behind that is Texas and most metrics was a top 10 offense last year with Hudson Card and Casey Thompson at quarterback. They added Isaiah Nayor, who I'm going to be honest, I did not know a ton about, but everything I'm being told from all my CFF friends and what I've looked into, he's going to be an absolute stud. He's looked great all spring, looked great in the spring game. Right now they have Winnington in the slot. There's a lot of rumors that Jordan Addison might be coming to Texas. And if he comes to Texas, and I know that makes Austin sad, but if he comes to Texas and you have Isaiah Nayor, Jordan Addison, and Xavier Worthy, with with Quinn Ewers there at quarterback, add B. John Robinson in the backfield, Jatavian Sanders, and I can't remember for the life of me who the tight end was that transferred right now. Billingsley. Billingsley. This offense is going to absolutely blow up. So I went and looked last year at the top 12 scoring quarterbacks for CFF. Frank Harris at a UTSA was the 12th guy. I think was mostly boosted because he had 566 rushing yards because he did not do shit for touchdowns. He threw 21 touchdowns and only 3,000 yards. While I don't think Quinn Ewers gets a ton of rushing touchdowns, I would not be surprised if he goes over 40 passing touchdowns, and I think that boosts him up into the top 12. So I am taking the under on that. What say you, gentlemen? Chris, care to care to take her away? Yeah, I, 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 I like that Matt made the case before we even talked about it. So just to right, I got it. I don't, I don't even have to say anything. I, I think he's right. I think he, he, I have been drafting him personally in CFF best balls as a top 12 quarterback. So I sure hope that he is. But no, I, I, he has the weapons, he has the offense, you have the offensive coordinator. I, I think that it all comes together. I think that he's going to have a really productive season this year. Hey. I don't know if Texas could be any good because their defense is still really suspect, but offense is going to be a lot of fun. As Nebraska fans will be quick to tell you anytime Casey Thompson doesn't show up as the top quarterback in all of college football and in the preseason list. Uh, he threw 27 touchdown passes last year with a thumb injury, with a thumb injury. Those Huskers fans will tell you. Um, so I think Quinn Ewers can get, you know, 10 more than that pretty easily because, Quinn Ewers is 10 times the player that Casey Thompson is. So the math is easy as that. Matt, number two, take her away. All right, number two, Cameron Ward over or under on his passing attempts this year at 450. I'll let you guys let me know what you think first. Chris, you're the projection specialist. I would say over, but. Yeah, this is pretty easily over. Um, I have to, I'd have to pull up the exact number, but if we take Incarnate Ward's pass attempts last season and apply it to uh, like where they would rank in the FBS level, they would have ranked third. Um, like this is a really pass-heavy offense that Eric Morris runs. 
I would not be surprised if we got over like 525, 550 pass attempts. Like I think we're going to be up there. I think we're going to be a top five pass attempt offense. I think it's going to be really Mike Leach-esque where it's not like super efficient, but I am smashing this over. I think I think it should be closer to like five. 525. I think that's where I, I would set it. Without knowing anything about Washington State's defense, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they're probably going to pass the ball because of gain script a decent amount as well. Not they're going to be getting blown out, but I can't I can't uh I can't picture the Cougar defense being super stout. Um so I think obviously you've got a combination of scheme, uh, uh defensive talent, um, and a conference that I think is gonna be a higher scoring conference than it has been in the past this year. I think Utah will be a pretty decent offense. Uh, obviously on, on the ground, I think USC will be a good offense. Oregon might be interesting. You know, I don't think we think that much of Bo Nix, but they can't be any worse than they were last year with Anthony Brown. I mean, I think some of the better teams in this conference will be decent offensively. So I think all those things factor in. Yeah, I'll take over 450. Yeah, I'm going to just 100% own up to own up to this. This is this is my bad. I'm going to take the L on this one. Um, I kind of forgot that they brought over that and uh, so I just went and kind of looked at what Washington State did last year and they only had 440 so I was like I'll just bump it up a little bit he had 590 pass attempts last year for Incarnate Wars so I do agree with Moxley probably should have raised that number to like 500 something Uh, so I'm definitely taking the over on that Braylon Allen rush average at 6.5 yards so for those of you who crown him as the next Derrick Henry. He's the Kings, the best thing since sliced bread from everything I've read. If you ever say anything negative about Braylon Allen, he averaged 6.8 yards of rush last year. As much as I've been down on Braylon Allen, I actually think there's a chance that he reproduces that because if you go and look at Wisconsin's schedule, Ohio state is the only top 20 defense they play from based on last year's standing ins, and we know what good running backs were able to do against Ohio State last year. While I expect that defense to be improved, they play nobody this year. Talked about it recently, how good I think that offensive line is for Wisconsin. I think that he has a chance to reproduce at 6.8. I would take the over. What would you guys do? That's a little aggressive for me. Um, only four players did it last year, and – not that I think their schedule is particularly challenging, but that's a really hard number to post. Um, so just based on odds, you know, I'm looking at Iowa. I think Iowa has a good defense. I think Nebraska's defense is better than people think it is. Uh, I think Northwestern's rush defense is bad, but I think they're getting a couple pieces in this year that will help. I think Ohio State could be fine. So it's going to be a hard sell to re- produce top five efficiency year in and year out. So I'm taking the under on six and a half. You know, you guys both went under here. I'm going to go over. I think it's going to no, be barely. I, I, I took the oh, over. Oh, you did as well. Oh, you did? I, I took I, the I think, over, yeah. Okay, well, then I'm I'm the deciding vote here. I, I think he'll go slightly over. You know, I think the off, I, I think he's easily their, their, their biggest weapon. You can say, well, defenses will key on that too. But I think they did last year, and it didn't particularly matter. That's just kind of what Wisconsin wants to do. Um he's explosive enough that I think he'll, he'll rip off enough big runs that I think can kind of help sustain that for him. Um, so yeah, I, I think he does. I think he averages like 6.6. I think he's very close. I think he, you know, maybe you know, flirts with the line over and over this off there this season and the end and then finishes just barely over. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with what Moxley said on some of those teams, but when they've got, like, New Mexico State and Illinois State, like, those are the games that he could easily rack, like, five carries for, like, 150 yards, and all of a sudden, like, that average is so good that even a bad game against, like, Ohio State and Northwestern only drops him down to, like, 7.2 average, and then it goes down a little bit. So, like, that's that's where I I was like, yeah, I'm going to take the over, even though I'm still not that big a fan of Allen. I just think that schedule lines up for him to have a really good year. All right, Chris, hit us with uh, with a couple of your lines here. Hopefully they're better than Matt's. So my first one was also Quinn's line. Um, I think we're all going to go over. It was 325 pass yards per game. So that would rank seventh last year. Um, above Bryce Young, above Bryce J. Kaner, above um, Sam Hartman, above Carson Strong. Like a lot of those players that we think of prolific passers, that's where I set the line at. And I think that's fair. So do we expect him to be top seven quarterback in passing yards per game? I, based on what we were saying earlier, I think the answer is yes. But I'll let you, I'll let y'all get your vote in. I would say yes. I, I think so. I think that defense is going to be particularly good either. They won't be bad. But they won't be great. So yeah, I, I think I think uh, yeah, I'm going to say slightly over. I think that's really really close though. I, I, I agree that that's a really good line. I, I, I know we talked about it recently, and, and it may have been on like an after show, but they lost, what was it, I think seven games or whatever last year. Five of them were all single-digit losses. The other two were blowouts. It was like the Iowa State, and I can't remember the other one. They only have two really tough games on their schedule this year. Alabama, obviously, in week two. And then I still consider Oklahoma, the Red River shootout, a tough game. It's, it's never easy to go in there and play your um, your rival, especially in the Cotton Bowl. I mean, they get West Virginia, um, which I think could be a good game. Texas Tech at home in Lubbock should be a good one. Oklahoma State, if that defense can stay there. But I think that's a good line because Moxley mentioned earlier when we talked about Quinn Ewers as a top 12 quarterback, like that defense is still going to be really bad. And we saw Casey Thompson keeping that offense in there and then like, at the end of those games, he just he couldn't keep the offense going, right? If we all believe Quinn Ewers is going to be what we expect him to be, he should keep those offensive drives going that Casey Thompson was stalling on, which is then going to continue to boost him up. So I think he's going to get there. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they're just going to be so dynamic and, and be trailing it. Or not trailing, but they're going to need to pass. And games. Um. I have them projected for a, a uh, nine-win season next year. I think that they are favored against all but Bama, Oklahoma, and Baylor. So I think this is going to be a good season. The second, since we are Debbie debate, I'm going to throw in a little curveball. Caleb Williams, Debbie ADP. Over under 1.5 next season. So you see the first pick or the second pick is basically the question they are answering. That's an interesting one. I think, you know, uh, man, I'm going to say under because I think Travion's going to cement himself as the top overall guy. I know a lot of people are still very old school and that the, the, the first pick has to be a quarterback no matter what. Um, but I'll take Travion. I think he has another big year. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think you'll end up being consensus number one or close to it. Yeah, I'm going to take the under as well. And it's because of what Austin just said with Travion. If Quinn has the season we think he has, I think he'll jump Caleb Williams uh, because of just the way that some of us tout him and the season I think he could have. And I'm going to throw a really crazy one at you guys. If Braylon Allen goes out there and has a season that I think he's going to, he could possibly have, we know there's enough people in this community that love him. I think they may boost him up because we've seen the past. I mean, we've only been doing this for a couple of years, right? But we've seen that shift ever since that first group of QBs really failed us and DJ and Spencer Rattler, us taking all those guys early, that it's really been the running backs that have gone early. Like, I think Caleb Williams is locked in top four pick, but I could, I don't know that he'll be 1.5. So I, I would take the under. Or over, whatever it is. I don't know. Not one point five. Yeah, I yeah, he's not gonna be the first pick. I I got you. Um I think he does. I think he goes first. I think that we our, our dev drafts have him with an ADP of like one point two, where some people are thinking Trevion still. I think his rushing value and the improvement that he has made as a passer that we saw at Oklahoma last year. Towards the end of the season, he was definitely better than I think any of us projected him to be based on what we saw in high school. And then we saw the spring game, and he looked really sharp. I think he has the tools in both ends of the game to get um, the hype to be the one-on-one in his draft class, which I think means that he's going to jump Travion. And I'm not sold on it. A lot of that is projected because Trevion is an excellent player, and they will be one and two. But I think Williams is going to do it, and I think that his rushing upside is huge in that aspect. All right, final one. Josh Downs receiving line of 1,150 yards. Last season, he posted uh, 13.33 with Sam Howell. I think he goes higher. All right. I mean, if anybody watched that spring game, Drake may target it early and often. Everybody targeted early Every and often. <laughs> he had like three touchdowns in the first half. Um, <laughs> I was a little worried about what his production would look like this year. And then at, uh, no more after that spring game. And I don't think spring games answer all your questions, but just the way they targeted him, I, I think they'll be looking to get the ball in his hands. And realistically, like, I still don't think they have a reliable number two there. So I think regardless, they're just going to try to get the ball over to him. Yeah, I'm going to take the pretty comfortable over. I I don't know that any of those defenses really can slow him down. I think Drake May is is going to be a good quarterback for them. And I've seen a lot of talk that people think North the team we thought North Carolina was going to be last year could be that team this year. So if they're competing in what I think is going to be a weakened ACC conference, they're going to have to rely on down. So, yeah, I would take the over. I feel like I said a good line where I had to think about it. Like, I was like, I don't really know which way I'm going to go. Um, Man, I think I'm going to go over as well, but I think it's pretty close. They have games on their schedule that can pad his stats. So I think he's going to struggle against NC State. I think NC State's a much better team than they are. They will struggle against Notre Dame. I think he might struggle against, um, I don't know if Miami has the corners really keep up with him. But 
there are games that will depress his total, and he needs to basically average like 100 yards a game. I think he'll do it, but I think it's going to be pretty close. I think he'll end up with closer like 1,200 yards, and that's not a lot of margin for error, but that's good enough. I mean, as a prospect, as a player, if Downs has 1,200 yards this season, like he's going to go in the first round. Like I feel pretty good about that. I mocked him there like last week. I think that he has the tools, and I think he'll have the production in in an offense that people are underestimating, maybe like you said, Matt, I think that they might be better than people think they're going to be. Um, you know, I have, I have faith in this team. I think the defense is going to be a lot better this year. All right. It is my time to shine here. Um, man, it's a bunch of these were just meant to upset Felix. So now it's kind of, it's a mood point. Um, first one, 40 receptions for Jameer Gibbs. And I guess I'll set it at 39 and a half so that, you know, he can choose if he gets to 40 or not. Um, and I won't, no commentary. Um, Matt, you want to take first, first shot at this one? Yeah, I'll take the slight over. Um, I, I, this team is going to be so damn good. That defense, the, the biggest thing that worries me is that defense is going to be so good that maybe they don't need to score that much. But I mean, Brian Robinson, I believe had 60 catches last year. I think even with Jace coming back, he didn't have 60. I, th- I think he had 35. Was it only 35? I could have swore it was more than that. Now I feel bad because I was basing that solely on me clearly not really looking at Brian Robinson. Well, everyone knows that Jameer Gibbs is two-thirds of the pass catcher that Brian Robinson is. So that math would have checked out if he used those 60 60 receptions. Regardless, I guess, I still think that this offense is going to be good. With Jace, I think, is going to be the only one that really cuts into that. But I think 40 is a number that he can get to, so I will take the over. Yeah, I have the over two um, comfortably. 35 for Robinson is like 55 in Jameer Gibbs' world. Um, and they also, they don't have the receiving depth they did last year, two years ago. Like, they're really going to be scrounging for secondary and tertiary targets. And I think that's where Gibbs plays a role. I think Gibbs is better than any receiving back they've had in a, at least a long while. He can line up the slide. He can line up outside. He can lot, do a lot of different things for this offense. And I think he's going to play a big role. 35 targets for Robinson last year, 43 in Najee's last year. I think he's a better pass catcher than both. So 40 is an easy over number for me, especially with the lack of depth at the receiver position. And just some devil's advocate since we both went that way. Um, although I think he, he'll probably be slightly over as well. A lot of other backs there and Jace McClellan probably going to be back and he's been used primarily as a pass catcher. We'll see what the split ends up being there uh, between those two guys. And I don't think they're they're quite as thin as as you're saying at wide receiver um, some unproven guys for sure. But I think they have, uh, you know, Jermaine Burton. And then I, th- I, I, I think Jojo Earl had, had one, you know, if he spring game and, and we're, we're killing him a little too hard for it. I think he's still going to be a big piece of this offense. And then beyond that, your Corey Brooks is your Tyler Harrells. And then they have a lot of other four and five star guys. Can any of them put it together? That'll be the big question, but I don't think it's quite as thin um, as maybe you're making it out to be. Although certainly not, uh judy waddle smith uh rugs type depth um next up here and this was a piece of news that we didn't cover at all but went slightly under the radar uh over under one and a half seasons of college baseball for mario williams he uh, was announced today that he's going to try to play baseball at usc i didn't even know he was a baseball player um we get a second season out of him define season like does he just have to play in a game I didn't think that far ahead, Chris. How dare you? Because if he just has to play in a game, 
then yes, I'm going to. I think that he plays in a game this year, and I think he plays in a game next year. How many games? I don't know, but enough to satisfy this over, and I am taking advantage of the bookmaker. Uh, I I value seasons as he plays at least half, and so I'll take the under. I think he probably plays this year, but if he goes out there and smashes and has a good year, there's going to be so much NFL draft buzz around him that I think he'll do what London did and kind of bail on the second sport and focus solely in on the NFL. No, baseball's where the money's at. So if, you know, Felix should be out here touting him to go after that baseball money and, you know, just being my inner Felix, go get that bag, kid. But I, I think it's going to be under. I think it'll be under as well. Um, this came out of left field for me. <laughs> baseball pun. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I I really didn't know he was a baseball player. I didn't. I did not know there was a a, a Jerion Ely, Lonnie White, whoever else uh, uh, potential issue here uh, for him. Last one, uh, Anthony Richardson over under eight hundred and fifty rush yards, not including sacks in that total. So like pure actual rush yards. Chris. Oh. Sorry, I was I was muted. Um I'm gonna go over. Uh especially if rush yards are included. If rush yards were included, it would be a definite under. But being able to avoid that, and I think that he does have questions about his pocket presence, and I think he will probably take more sacks than he really should. That was the same issue that Malik Wallace had last year. Um I'll go over. I think he's a really, really dynamic Russian quarterback. And I think that he could border on like a thousand non-sack rush yards. So I think 850 is probably a comfortable over for me. Yeah, it wasn't even a question for me because you took the sacks out of it. Um, that I mean, you had Malik. I mean, Sam Howe. I don't know how many sacks off the top of my head that dude took last year, but he had 828 rushing yards minus the sack yardage. He had, Billy, according to PFF, Sam Howell had 1,106 rush yards. Not I believe it because that takes the sacks out, right? PFF doesn't. So that's why it's an easy over for me. I mean, my biggest issue with, with Anthony Richardson is Chris just mentioned. He's not a great passer. Questionable pocket presence. Well, Billy Napier has never shown the ability to develop that. He's fine with his QBs running. I think they're going to run Anthony Richardson. I don't know necessarily that any of those wide receivers are going to be that good. I trust Montrell, but really I don't know that that team's going to be any good. So I think it's going to fall on Anthony Richardson's shoulders. And if you take away not getting the the negatives on sacks, yeah, I, I would take as like, if you would have given me a thousand, I would have thought about it, but eight fifty, I'm taking the easy over. Only five quarterbacks last year rushed for over 850 yards in all of college football. And those players were as follows Malik Willis. 1,220 yards, Malik Cunningham, 1,142, the aforementioned Sam Howell, 1,106, Garrett Schrader, 953, and Dustin Crum, 930. Um, I think a comparable rusher to him is why I set this line. KJ Jefferson ran for 803. That's the interesting one for me, data point. It's an offense that they don't mind running him at all. They, They use him on the goal line. They use him in a lot of situational stuff in the SEC. Um, on an offense that doesn't have a lot of receiving threats. They had Burks, and that was really it last year. So I, that's my comparison. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to depend a lot on just how games are unfolding for them next year. Do you – who do you think right now is a better passer, 
KJ Jefferson or Anthony Richardson? KJ Jefferson. Because that's what I was going to say too. Like I think so, Richardson might run more. Like I, I, I love, like I like Richardson. Like I think he could develop as a passer, but I, he is. I don't think he is there yet. So I, I get what you're saying on Jefferson, and I know some of this was they brought him in for some of these packages and Mullen, obviously different coach than Na- coach than Napier, but he only played in seven games last year and had 569 rushing yards. I mean, you you add on five more games, and all he's got to do is get 320, and he crushes that. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is because you said the no sacks. Had you had the sacks in there, it would have been more of a – because then you're like, okay, how often do I think he gets sacked again because of the poor pocket presence? But if you're taking – there's no negative yardage out there outside of negative runs. I, for me, it's a pretty easy over. All right. Well, I think that'll be the last word. Then that is going to do it for tonight's show. Make sure you're checking out everything we have over at campusdecanton.com. Some new articles up this week. Uh, everyone's favorite Australian, Tim Alb. Does it matter if my favorite rookie wide receiver is small? Some really good data-based analysis there. Mike Valerie's post-draft rookie wide receiver rankings. I'm really hitting a lot of the post-draft content hard to so go ahead. Check all that out. Check out everything on the Campus Canton podcast feed. We've got shows galore basically every day of the week. There's something new on there. But that is going to do it for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. Maybe for Matt Bruning, for Chris Moxley, for Austin Nace, good night and good luck. Side of the field, intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter up, caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.